WGBB Sports Talk Flashback. So, Steve, you know, thinking of, looking back at your major league career, I always like to ask former players about their first day in the big leagues. And I see yours was April 22nd, 1981. Do you remember anything about that day? I remember everything, yeah. Did <laughs> you talk about it? It was, uh, well, I, I mean, it, you know, it's one of the it's one of the highlights of my baseball career, my life, really. Yeah. Uh, walking into Yankee Stadium, you know, going in there. Um, I was fortunate. Um, I had a, I had a good minor league career, and um, people liked me. They, they, they gave me a nickname, Bye Bye. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, when I played in Nashville, I had uh, probably the best year of my career in Nashville. I, I got off to a great start, mm-hmm. and uh, Frank Messer and Phil Rizzuto started, you know, telling people in New York what I was doing and everything. So. When I got there, everybody knew who I was. And knew me. And they were, you know, expecting a lot, and it was just uh, when I got up to the plate, it was it was uh, huge ovation. It, was so, it just seemed so huge, and uh, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. Nervous at the time, it was fun. Now yeah. looking back, but, what was uh, your first major league hit? It was a triple. Wow. Yeah, it was a big ballpark. I hit it about 425. And, I, you know, I hit it good, and it's like then it, I saw it bounce. Like you're kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, it was a uh, it was it was a fun experience. It's kind of a kind of a crazy thing. I didn't hit too many triples in my career. Yeah. But, you know, I was in my first year. What do you remember about those first the first time around the Yankees? They they, were, they played in the World Series. Uh, I, I don't think you were there for that, but you played for a pretty good team. You had Billy Martin as your manager one year. What memories do you have of that early uh, years? Um, those early years, uh, it was a great experience. Yeah, you're right. I didn't get to play a whole lot, mm-hmm. but um, it was a great experience being around all those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, very professional. It was just uh, great to see mm-hmm. uh, the way they went about their business. I mean, it was a group of guys that, you know, had fun, joked around a lot and everything, but when they walked on the field, it was all business and it was all about winning. And uh, it, it was a great, you know, environment to learn and to, to learn from some of those, you know, uh, great players, um, you know, Camelo, uh, Ken Griffey Senior, you know, I mean, just being around those guys and talking about hitting and uh, um, Gossage, you know, I was real happy to see the Hall of Fame because he was outstanding and he's kind of the one that he kind of took care of me when I came up, so he was one of those guys. And, you know, I don't know if they do it anymore in baseball, but back then, usually some veteran would take the work and kind of. I don't know if that was good or bad for me, but <laughs> there was a lot of fun. I know that. You know, you've mentioned there was a lot of expectations, a lot of hype around you coming out. You're coming up in New York. Talk about that because there's been many players since then that haven't been able to handle that. How did you go about handling that? Um, yeah, it's hard because you want the opportunity. You feel like you you can you can play. But you know, it was a situation. They're a winning team. They didn't they didn't go for young young kids. And, you know, unless they had to put someone in there, they didn't really want to. Mm-hmm. So it was a tough tough environment to break into. Um, and you know, it just it was hard to break into it. Um, I realized when I got when I first walked in that I was hitting from the wrong side of the plate. <laughs> you know, I needed to be left handed. But. Um, but you know, it was I, I would I wouldn't really change anything. Even though there were other organizations, I think I would have got a, a shot right away with, with the numbers that I put up in the minor leagues. 
but I really wouldn't have changed the experience of going through, you know, being with the Yankees and being with those guys and, and that team, those teams. Now you get traded to Kansas City after a couple of years in the Yankees. That's when your career took off and you had some of your best years. First, talk about your reaction when you were traded. Was it a good one, a bad one? And then talk a little bit about playing for another different, completely different type of market. It was, um, it was both. It, it was bittersweet. It yeah. really was. I was. I was excited that I was going to get an opportunity. Uh, Dick Hauser called me, and just a tremendous guy. I'm the best manager I've ever played for. Um, just a really great guy to play for, and he was great to me. Um, but I wanted to be with the Yankees. I came up in that system. I, I became a huge Yankee fan, and I didn't want to leave. So it was really hard. I knew if I stayed, it, you know, I mean, it wasn't going to... Um, I know Don Mattingly took over, but he didn't have the job at the time. It was still it was Roy Smalley's job, really. And you know, I was like, I could beat out Roy. You know, I was thinking to myself, you know, um, and because I remember in spring training, you know, I was talking to Donnie after, and he still hadn't had the job. And um, you know, fortunately for him, Roy Smalley didn't really have a good spring, and they just decided to give it to Donnie, and then he just took off with it. But I mean, you know, it was like they had their idea of what they wanted in first base, and. You know, Donnie didn't fit that profile, and you know they—that's that's how they, the thinking was back then. Mm-hmm. But you know they had such a good team, and such a good organization at the time. They really, you know, they they wanted to win every year. They didn't want any, you know, any weak spots in their lineup. Mm-hmm. So then you go to Kansas City, 1985, your best year statistically. You win the World Series. Talk a little bit about that season, some of your memories. Um, well, it, it was. Uh, Kansas City, uh, unfortunately, what it is now is not what it was. I mean, it was a very competitive organization, very winning-oriented. It wasn't. It was a smaller market. Fans were much different, you know, more laid back. Um, but it, it was still a winning attitude. So it really wasn't a whole lot different than, than the Yankees. And in fact, they fought the Yankees all the time. I mean, it was hard. they couldn't beat the Yankees, really. Um, but, but they beat everybody else. I mean, they had an excellent team. But they were—they had just gone through a bad drug thing. And mm-hmm. They lost a lot of players, yeah. and you know there was a lot of you know uh, problems with the organization. And they wanted a rebirth, kind of. So uh, Dick Hauser came in, and they had a lot of young players. They kept the core, you know, Brett and, and McCray and all those guys, and then they they got some young kids around them, and it was just a great atmosphere to come into. And, and some of my closest friends are still those guys. Because um, we all kind of came in together, we were all kind of young, and just and we kind of fed off the, the older players, and, uh, and and just it just worked tremendous. We had pitching. I mean, basically, we had pitching and defense, and that's that's how we ended up winning. That you were involved in that ninth inning, that crazy ninth inning against the Cardinals in Game Six. Wanted to hear your your perspective on that because that was a, a pretty remarkable. Yeah, comeback. well, every, everybody says the play. Um, if you were at the game and there was no such thing as replay and nobody slowed anything down, nobody took any pictures, it, it could have gone either way. It looked like he came off the base, but when you slow it down, obviously he didn't. Um, it was a call that happened, you know. And uh, but you know, we still ended up scoring two runs and winning the game. Yeah. You know, so um, yeah, it was just it was just an incredible thing. I mean, that, that whole I mean, we shouldn't have beat either team. Uh, Toronto was a much better team than we were, and, and the Cardinals were a much better team than we were. But at the time, we were playing good, and our pitching was outstanding, and our defense was outstanding.
and we just seemed to get hits when we needed them and, and kind of won that way. And you actually got a second life in your at-bat. It was a drop pop. Were you the one up with the drop pop-up? Yeah. And then you yeah. got a single yeah, right kinda, after that. Yeah, he, he stopped for the dugout, and yeah. he was actually And people forget away. that play. That hurt yeah. them just as much as the... Yeah, it was further away, and he, he just let it he let it drop, and he, you know, he probably could have caught it. I mean, it's not a real easy play, but, you know, when you're... When you're looking at when you're not the one running into the dugout, it, you yeah. know, it seems pretty easy. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was uh, yeah that was you know things like that happen. You know mm-hmm. they they really you know you just you know, sometimes you need a little luck. Yeah. You know? People sometimes when they're watching a game and being that you played in the World Series and now you're in a, a game where you're down and you know mindset up there it can't be just like any other at bat. Um, talk about what goes through players' mind knowing the propensity of the game. You're up at the plate. You have to get a hit. I mean, is it much different? How do you handle the stress and the, and the pressure? Um, the hardest thing is to relax, and that's really what you have to do. Um, uh, I think people ask Reggie Jackson, you know, how, how do you perform, you know, in, in October in those late, you know, in those World Series and stuff? Um, and he said, yeah, I relax. And that's really what it is. It's and I know it's not easy to do. But if you can convince yourself this is the only way you're going to succeed, that's how you do it. And I'm not saying I was really relaxed because yeah. I wasn't. I was nervous. It's just you kind of focus on you. You kind of forget everything that's going on around you, and you kind of focus on what you need to do, and you put all your focus on that, and just and, and nothing else really matters. Like you know, people would ask me, what's it what's it like playing in front of fifty thousand? Well, with so many people screaming and everything, you don't hear anything. It's just noise. It, it, it's not that hard. It's harder to play in front of a thousand with people screaming because you hear every word they say. Yeah. You know, so it, it's it's almost easier with a big crowd. It's just a lot of noise, but it's really you know it's easier to focus on really what you're doing. Uh, second time around the Yankees, you played a lot more. Uh, team wasn't so good, but. Talk about your experience the second time around. It's still the Yankees. It was it was tough. I mean, uh, everything that could go wrong kind of went wrong. My first year, we uh, we lost almost our whole pitching staff. We came in with five starters, and I think four of them got hurt. Yeah. And so we're pitching young kids. You're pitching, you know, one kid came up from A ball. You're pitching yeah. double A, triple A pitchers. Um, and the big, it doesn't work. I mean, you yeah. saw what happened this year. Yeah. You know, this past year they had to throw some young kids, and they're good, talented young kids, but not ready. For the big leagues, and they started out. And then once everything guys started getting healthy, some of those younger pitchers started getting a little more experience. All of a sudden, things turned around. Uh, we never got that. We never got things to turn around because we didn't have that bad a team. But things got so bad, it just. Uh, and that was the year that um, that George that started baseball for yeah. years. Yeah. So things were a little. You know, this is oriented around. Yeah. You know, was your Wade Taylor team? Right, Wade Taylor and uh, actually, Al Leiter was was a rookie yeah, when you were there. Yeah, yeah, and, and he and he was outstanding. He yeah. kept getting blisters. Well, sometimes they blame Dallas Green on the 160 pitch night, and you might have been in that game where he was in the rain. He pitched 160 yeah. pitches and things like that. But I mean, what I remember about Al is his great stuff, and then just yeah. you know, two innings, his fingers bleeding. He's got this huge blister on him. He couldn't throw. He couldn't throw the ball anymore. And it's like, yeah. you know, and they kept trying different things, and it's just like, I mean, you know, it, baseball is it's a little tougher, and you know, football that's not a big deal, but baseball it, it is. You know, little things like that can, can stop. It. The last couple of years, uh, you played for Texas organization, played very well in AAA. How is it after you've had success, you've been at the top of the sport, now you're playing in AAA, 
and you're struggling to get back. Is it frustrating? Or were those last years enjoyable? Oh, um, yeah, it, it was. Um, I, yeah, I was trying to get back in. Um, I was. It was kind of a crazy situation. I was supposed to go to Japan. That the whole thing kind of fell through, and um, they blamed me. I blamed them. It was it was a miscommunication, and it, it turned out to be bad. Um, I went to, I went to the AAA team with, with Texas because I won because I thought I was going to Japan the next year. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to play. I didn't want to take the whole season off. I wanted to show them that I could still play and make sure they understood that I, I was still ready to play. Uh, and Texas was great with it. Well, I went there and there's a lot of young kids and I was kind of helping them and, and I enjoyed doing it. You know, um, and when the whole Japanese thing fell through. Um, expansion was coming, so I decided to go back another year because I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the people and everything, and that's kind of what I was doing. I was kind of coaching and mm-hmm. playing, and, mm-hmm. and they gave me total freedom. If someone wanted, I could talk to other teams. I could do whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. And it was a great situation, for me. and so I just I stayed there until I just decided, you know what, this isn't going to work, and I'm going to not. But um, but I actually enjoyed doing, it. and it kind of gave me an idea that I enjoyed coaching. Well, I was going to say that at what point did Steve Almoni, the player, say, you know what, I want to stay in baseball rather than going to business, some insurance, or some of the, what a lot of other you know, ball players do when they're, when they're stopped playing? What made you decide that you wanted to get into coaching? That that was a big start. Of it. Uh, just being around those kids, helping them, you know, and just and having that good feeling of helping them and having guys come to you for advice and. I mean, I, I just I found that I, I really enjoyed that kind of role. Um, I still enjoyed playing at the time, um, but I think I decided then that you know I knew at some point I'd like to get back in. Mm-hmm. And you get your opportunity with the Expos. You get the chance to run extended spring training. You get the chance to manage in the New York Penn League. Talk a little bit about that experience and how much that shaped what you're doing now. Well, actually, I started with the with the Royals. Um, that was in uh, as a hitting coach, and that's really what I like to do. Because uh, as a manager, I found it you know it, it's harder to relate to players. You have to kind of be the the head figure. Uh, but as a coach, you're kind of that in between guy. You can develop relationships with players. You can you know you can work with them easier. You, you know that you, you have to gain their trust so they you know so they'll listen to you and, and you can help them. Um, and I kind of like that role better, uh, but the an opportunity came up with Montreal at that lower level, and I wanted to see if I'm going to like you, do I like manager? I so, so I took the job. Um, it was kind of a last minute thing, and so I decided to take it. And I really enjoyed it, but I found that I liked working with hitters better. Yeah, um, it was stressful, even at that level. It was stressful. It was a lot of work, um, and I just and I, I found that you couldn't have a close relationship because you had to keep yourself apart. And I enjoyed, you know, the the one-on-one with players, the working with them, and, and the helping them, you know. So um, that was more fun to me. I had a similar conversation with Howard Johnson when he, he managed the year after you did. He managed the Cyclones in 2002. Uh-huh. And he had been a hitting instructor the year before. Obviously, he's been a hitting instructor ever since. And he basically said the same thing. That when you are... And he, he played for a lot of managers that he didn't like. You know, whether it was uh, Sparky, and Sparky was really tough on him. Yeah. Um, so that, it's very similar. So talk about, you know, you leave the Expos, you go work in the Cardinal system. Talk about working in the Cardinal system and how, uh, you know, that's brought you to this point. 
Um, it was great. I, I love the people that, that worked there. Uh, George Kissel was there. Uh, I mean, it's just been in baseball 65 years, something like that. Um, just learned a lot from a lot of good people, um, and it was just a lot of fun to be around. A very good organization, um, and they just gave me a lot of freedom. Um, you know, they didn't, uh, some organizations like have rules, you know, and they want their coaches to follow different rules. And I don't do that. I'm not going to teach somebody else's way. I, you know, I work the way I want to work, and you know, if I, and I'll help players that way. If if they don't like that, then I won't work. Then, you know. um, but it, it was just—it was just a lot of fun, and I enjoyed it. It was just uh, when I first took the job, they were in New Haven, Connecticut, and I could get home a lot, and it was mm-hmm. a great setup for me. But then they moved the next year to Tennessee, and it was just getting too far away. Then they moved to Missouri, and it was like this is too far. Um, so uh, I just—it it was mainly because of travel, or, or I'd still be working with. It was a, it was a fun organization, it was, and they had—they had some talent. They had some some big young kids, and that's that's what makes it fun. I love working with kids. But I, sometimes I kind of miss being around, you know, those higher level kids where you can get into more detail about stuff. Did you get to work with Derek Barton at all? No. Um, talk about now. You, you mentioned before about how you always spend more time at home uh, with your younger son and you know, he's a junior in high school. Talk about the challenges of doing something like this with a video game generation that's not out, you know. I mean, we grew up, we played wiffle ball every day, we played scootball, we at least were actually swinging a bat and doing those things. Talk about that challenge of coaching youngsters that don't play outside as much as, you know, your generation did or my generation did or our generation did. Talk about that challenge. It, it's, it's hard. It, it's, it, is. It's a di- it is a different challenge because you, you do have to teach kids basic rules that you wouldn't have had to teach you know, in the past. Um, running, throwing, I mean, you know, simple things. I mean, I mean even, even swinging, I mean, some kids, you know, have trouble just getting the bat going. Um, there's a, the body does a lot of things naturally, and that, that's what I teach. I mean, you can let things work naturally. You don't have to teach step by step. Your body kind of does things naturally that it works best for them. Um, but if you never swung anything, if you never swung a stick trying to hit a rock or something like that, or you never threw snowballs or rocks at you know or acorns at, some, at something, you know, then your, your arm's not used to doing that. So it's like you're starting from the beginning. And it's hard. It was hard for me at the beginning because, you know, trying to teach kids how to throw. It's like, I, I don't know. I never learned myself. I just picked things up and started yeah. throwing them when you're little. And all of a sudden, you know, either you had a good arm or you didn't, but you, you knew how to throw, you know. And it's basics like that. And yeah, you see that you have to teach more, more of that start at the very beginning. Um, but it is about repetition. And that's what, you know, I try and get to parents and try and get to kids. It's like you can take a lesson once a week. But you know what? If that's all you do, then you're not getting a whole lot. You're not, not going to get a whole lot better. And you got to take that lesson and then work from there. Use, use the knowledge and keep working, doing something. What, everybody has a philosophy of You know, Charlie Lau, Walt Brinniak, all these different guys, Rick Down. Everybody has a different. And there's so much uh, emphasis now on base percentage and OPS and all these different statistics. What is Steve Balboni? get somebody in the cage and you talk about, because I'm sure you do mechanics and things like that, but what do you talk about philosophy of hitting and things like that with your more advanced kids? What do you really talk about? Um, my, my biggest philosophy is there's no one way. 
There's no one way to do it. And all the guys you mentioned all have a lot to offer, but it's not it's not one way. And 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 to me, anybody that teaches one way of doing something might help one person and probably screw up ten. You know what I mean? Because not everyone can do things the same way. And I think you, you, the way I teach is you need to, you, you need to, there are certain things that have to be done, certain fundamentals that have to be done, and then you let, you let, the, you let the kid or the player find the best way for them to do that. And it could be standing a little weird, it could be standing funny. You know, an open stance is not better than a closed stance. You know, it, I mean, none of that matters. It's, it's an individual thing. And when they see these guys on TV, those guys develop that stance over a course of time. And it works best for them, but that doesn't mean it's going to work good for you. Just because they're a good hitter doesn't mean you're going to be a good hitter because you stand open or you hold your hands in a certain place. And that's what I try and do. I try and, try and help everybody. You know, what, what I'm, see what I'm working with and then try and get them better and let them work their own way. A lot of times, like with the older kids when I was uh, coaching double A, I would just give them the information, tell them where they needed to be, and then give them the freedom to kind of find a way to get there. By Sometimes I'd give them suggestions on what other kids told me. You know, well, this kid told me he did this, you know, and it worked for him. You know, but just give them ideas to try things. And then they come to me, you know, I tried this and this really works. You know, but it's just a matter of giving them the information and, and helping them, you know, guiding them. But don't tell them, do it this way, do it that way. You know, I just, I don't think that works. On your website, you actually uh, talk about one of the reasons you got into this is that you saw some of the fundamentals of the game taking a turn for the worst, so to speak. Yeah. Um, do you attribute that to something like what you talked about with Mark just now, the video game generation, or is there something bigger going on? Um, why, are we, well, why is the fundamentals going away? Because I think there's such a big market in teaching. Um, kids, parents, getting their kids, because they're not out on the playgrounds, mm-hmm. getting them into places like this and, and, and learning. But the parents aren't really don't know who's teaching them. Mm-hmm. Because someone's teaching them that they know what they're doing, yeah. and I think there are you know people who are teaching who don't really have the the, the knowledge or the understanding. They mm-hmm. you know read a book or you know, do a, you know see a video or hear what's and then and then kind of use their own concept of it. Um, and because the biggest problem I see is they're trying to go step by step mechanically take a kid through a swing when a lot of those things happen naturally start doing that, you start throwing things out of whack and all of a sudden the kid has no idea. And if you start them at a young age, by the time they're, they get to high school, um, they just they can't get, it's hard for them to get back. It's hard for them to change and, and, and do it the right way. And, and what, I, what I see is when they're younger and they, if they have some talent, you know, some hand-eye coordination and some talent, they get by, but once they get to a certain level, it's just, that's it. And now, yeah. now that, that swing and those mechanics you know, stop them from progressing because now the pitching gets, you know, too good. The, the, the ability level gets too high and that's when there's too many flaws and they just can't overcome it. Mm-hmm. What's the most difficult challenge about trying to coach your own son? They don't listen. <laughs> Even though you play you know, professional baseball, like, they don't I guess, listen. I guess, and, and every parent I say that is the same thing. It's like, you're their dad. They just don't listen. They, yeah. They argue with me and, and everything. But, no, I, I mean, my kids have, have been pretty good. Uh, they do argue with me about some about things, you know. I am, I'm not doing that. It's like, you know, I'm lying to you, you know. But it's a challenge, but, especially at that level, when you have other kids involved in the dynamic, and you say you're helping out the high school team, so, you know, there's got to be a challenge there, aside from just the relationship, just the 
relationship as a team. You say, all right, we're at practice. I'm not wearing my dad hat. I'm wearing my, my coaching hat. Do you have to do that with the kids, or do they, well, do they get it? Well, I'm, I'm just helping out. So I'm a volunteer, and, and I, I let the coach, you know, he's running the team. He makes all the tough decisions. He'll decide whether my kid's good enough to play. You know, he'll decide where he plays and, and who plays. And a lot of sometimes he'll ask me, you know, what do you think about it? And it's like, you know what, that's your job. <laughs> I don't want a parent coming to me saying, you know, you said my kid can't play. It's like, but you, I think you know, that's I mean, important for yeah, people to realize. Yeah, because yeah, here you are. I, just want, I want to help all the kids get back. And that's really all I'm there for because I don't really want the responsibility of doing anything. So, so my kids, you know, I, I, I coached my, my middle one for a little while at the high school level. I was here last year. And it was the same thing. They, they understand that, that I'm just, I'm there to help everybody out, including them. But I'm there just to help all the, you know, all the kids out. And I'm not in any, you know, authority role. I'm not taking over anything. Do you feel that, uh, and I'm here at this complex, I see there's all these other sports being played, is there a loss of interest in, com- in competing sports? Like, you know, is there still the same interest in playing baseball because all these other sports, like this foosball going on right next to us? Yeah. Um, I-, I think so. I, I mean, I, there's, to me, there's nothing wrong with playing three sports or playing different sports. I think it's good. I, I did in high school, and I needed to play. You know, it's nice to get away from. You don't have to play baseball year round to be good. You don't agree in specialization, I, I, which no, people preach no, now. Not at, not at that age. No, no. Not at all. Because I, you know what I think? I think the, the kids are even better because if you're playing basketball, you're playing football, you're, you're, you're running, you're getting in better shape, you're learning more agility. I mean, you're becoming a better athlete, which is going to help you become a better baseball player, or football player, or basketball player. Mm-hmm. So it, it's you know, to me, it's good. You know, it's good to play off these sports. You're not really losing anything. It doesn't take long to get get a swing back. You know, I mean, two weeks you're ready to go. I mean, spring training is the only reason spring training is six weeks long for, for professionals is because the pitchers takes them that long to get their arms in shape. Because hitters are ready after two weeks. You know, it doesn't take long to get back into it. You know, and the time off isn't that big a deal. I think con- you know, conditioning and all that kind of stuff, making yourself a better athlete, really benefits. But, but hitting all, all year long is not really going to make you that much. I mean, it doesn't give you that big an advantage. One of the things, that one of the organizations that we do some work with is the Positive Coaching Alliance. And we talk about, you know, the, the, the challenge. And I'm bringing this back to your earlier point. The challenge of a coach or an instructor or anything where you're an authority figure and you're helping high school level kids. They talk about one of the biggest challenges is like dealing with the parents, learning how to deal with the parents. So I guess my point is is that you made the point of saying that for Steve Balboni, if anybody's going to know something about a kid's ability or whether he should play or whether he shouldn't play, it's going to be you. And you're saying that you make it a point not to you know, talk to the coach about where your son should play or, or whatever. So, you know, don't you think that that's... Talk about the dangers of a parent being overly involved at that level with the coach. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's definitely a problem. And uh, I mean, being a parent, it's definitely you know. I mean, you, you feel for your kids, but um, it, it is the coach's decision, and it, it ends up hurting the kid. And I, think, I don't think parents realize that because sometimes it's you know you're dealing with a parent. The parent is annoying. The kid's great. You know, <laughs> and you know, it just it makes it harder to just have a relationship, and, and you know, because I mean, fortunately, the coach I work with is outstanding, and I, you know, he's great with the kids, and I and I like the way 
has taken the team and, and the whole that, that whole program. Um, and if I didn't, I wouldn't be part of it. But um, I, I think he's doing a great job. But you know what? There are only nine kids out there, and you, you have more than that on your team. And unfortunately, you can't play them all. You know, it's not like you know little league when everybody plays, and that everybody should because you don't know what kids are going to turn into. But at the high school level, it's more competitive, and you're trying to win. You go to college level, and now it's like, you know, yes. the best, best yes. guys play. You know, yes. you're on the team, you're on the team. You might not play at all, and nobody cares. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, I mean, parents got to understand that high school starts that competitive level where, okay, the best kids are going to play. And some parents don't. I mean, you're prejudiced against, I mean, I'm, me too, against my, you know, with your own kids. You think your kid's better than everybody else, but... You know, if everybody else decides, you know, they're not, I mean, you have to, sometimes you have to accept that. I think it's more important that you find a way to make your kid better, rather than blaming other people, just, okay, let's make you better. If you want the job, win it. And that's what I've always told my kids. You know, if you don't win the job, then get better next year and win the job next year. I I know you have a lesson. I know you have a lesson, so we'll ask one last question to wrap it up. Um, are you aware of the Steve Balboni curse that they had put up there? The, the, the did, they, did everyone ever tell you about that one? What, the, about the how you were the runs. yeah the home runs yeah. and no one won a World Series. Yeah, that, that was pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty amazing that, uh, that went on so long. I know you never I never really thought about it. Well, the Yankees won those those few years and they yeah. didn't really have home oh, run yeah. hitters. They, it was they had a tremendous team. I think they showed what you know, home <laughs> runs how important home runs really are when you have pitching defense and just guys that can yeah. get the ball all over the yeah. place, so you know how easy it is to win. Um, but yeah, it was pretty amazing. I'm still I'm still shocked that, you know, the thirty six is still a record in yeah. the city. I mean that's ridiculous. But in this era. In this era yeah. You know? Yeah. But you know, just unfortunately and, and I'm not saying that you know, I mean yeah, it's nice to have the record, but I feel bad for that organization because yeah. it was such a great organization and for them to be down yeah. for so long. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of sad. Well, thanks, Steve, for taking time with us here at Gotham Baseball. Oh, thanks a lot. Thank you.